This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor. From Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we talk to Trisha Booker and Michelle Block, who have both given their creativity to the equestrian industry in the form of writing, photographs, and design for decades about the creative process, how to keep creativity alive, and how to stay current in a changing digital landscape. Trisha Booker is a lifelong equestrian who has been fortunate to make horses her vocation and avocation. Trisha is a U.S. Equestrian Federation large R-rated judge in hunters and hunter jumping seat equitation and has more than 30 years of judging experience. She owns and operates Cameron Green Media LLC and is an award-winning editor, writer, and photographer. As the editor of the United States Hunter Jumper Association's Instride Magazine from 2010 to now, and former editor, staff member of the Chronicle of the Horse from 1991 to 2010, Trisha has traveled the country and the world taking photographs and covering equestrian competitions for more than three decades. Trisha is also the co-author with Julie Winkle of the acclaimed new book, Judging Hunters and Equitation, WTF, Want the Facts, which is now in its second printing. Her articles and photographs have earned dozens of honors in the American Horse Publications Equine Media Awards. She and Michelle Block established Ink Horse Publishing in 2021, where they specialize in partnering with authors who wish to publish equine-related nonfiction and fiction books. Thanks to their comprehensive skill set, Ink Horse Publishing can take a manuscript from rough draft to finished product all in-house, complete with ghostwriting, editing, design, photography, printing, and fulfillment. In the show ring, Trisha has earned countless hunter-jumper tricolors from coast to coast. She continues to compete aboard hunters and jumpers, and she currently owns two horses, showing in the three-foot and three-foot-three green hunters. Michelle Block started her freelance writing business, Writer's Block, in 1992 after graduating from Mullenberg College in Pennsylvania. A full-time internship with The Chronicle of the Horse is also where and when she met the staff writer, Trisha Booker, who 30 years later would become her business partner. Since then, Michelle has created pages of words and images for mainstream and equestrian publications. After marriage and giving birth to her daughter, she focused on media relations for equestrian events and expanded her business to include graphic design. She works for the Capital Challenge Horse Show for 27 years with various roles requiring writing and design. She created and built the show's newsletter, The Daily Update, the first print newsletter of its kind at an equestrian event, and took it into the digital age. She is an award-winning journalist collecting multiple honors from the American Horse Publication Media Awards for her feature writing in USHJA in Stride Magazine. In the midst of the pandemic, Michelle started a publishing company with Trisha Booker, with a focus on education in the equine industry, Ink Horse Publishing was created to help equestrian writers get their work into the hands of their readers. Michelle is at the start of writing a book with a prominent jumper rider, but doesn't have a publication date scheduled yet. Michelle is a lifelong equestrian who taught riders at her New Jersey farm ridge riding for 10 years, but today just enjoys the quiet time with her animals. Michelle is a lifelong equestrian who taught riders at her New Jersey farm Ridgeview riding for 10 years, but today just enjoys the quiet time with her animals. She cares for four horses and two dogs, loves biking, hiking, and tending to the vegetable garden, and bakes far more than she should eat. Hey guys, we're so glad to have you on the podcast today. Jen and I had been talking about the topic of creativity for a while. And I was like, well, I know two really creative people. Let's talk to them. And <laughs> um, and I thought it would be cool because I know you guys have been doing so many different things in the industry for a lot of years. And what you have done has really changed throughout those years. So I think it's really cool to get your background and how you've seen things advance, not only in the equestrian industry, but 
in writing and photography and graphic design, like things have grown leaps and bounds, even just in the past 10 years. So I thought it would be cool to talk about it and let people know how you guys deal with creativity and how you keep it going. And we're excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, I'm really interested to see your your perspective of creativity and how it can transfer into the equine industry, maybe more than just in writing books and in graphic design. So I thought we'd get started talking about what your definition of creativity is. So Michelle, if you'd like to start. Sure. My definition is pretty simple. I think of it as like allowing yourself to turn off the inner critic and being able to explore possibility. Mm Because I think that inner critic can really shut you down fast if you yeah I love that and it 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 applies everywhere to any type of oh yeah no matter what you're doing endeavor I think that that's probably one of the toughest things is shutting off the inner critic to be open right it takes practice it really does it's not something that comes easy at least not for me Trisha how about you how do you define creativity Similarly to Michelle, but I look at it a little bit differently too. I think it's also the ability to think outside the norm. It's leaving behind the constraints and pushing boundaries, taking off your blinders. I travel a lot and at the Sky Club in the Atlanta airport, there's a wall as you walk in of quotes. And one of them is from Pablo Picasso. It says, every child is an artist. The problem is staying an artist when you grow up. Mm. And I think about that every time I walk in the Sky Club and I try to remember to use that, especially if I'm tired or hungry and I open my laptop at the airport and I say, what am I going to work on now? Because I've got an hour. And then I I try to let my mind wander and be creative and let things flow without boundaries. I like that. That's so... If I look at my kids and what they come up with to, you know, imaginative play or drawing. And I'm just like, how do you even <laughs> dream up these things when you're six years old? Like you don't have the world experience, but he doesn't let himself think about if something's dumb or it doesn't make sense or whatever. He just goes with it. So yeah, yeah, I think no that's judgment. a good thing to remember. Yeah. And they don't have that inner critic, especially as children trying to stop them from judging themselves. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I I do, I feel like though, so often people think of creativity as like, oh, well, somebody who's creative is somebody who does art in some Mm -hmm. form. And when we were talking to Beth Ann Standig about leadership and she was describing the horses in the field and how everybody has like a certain leadership quality. And now I look at things more like that and I'm I'm like, wow, I think that people people don't realize they have creativity. Like they're creative in different ways. Like mathematicians mm-hmm. can be creative in how they solve problems. And, you know, those of us in business can find solutions and be create in, in creative ways. I think that everyone has creativity, but I was wondering, Trisha, do you think that everybody has that? Or are there some people that I guess have more than others? Well, I think uh, definitely some have more than others. I do think it's a bit genetic mm-hmm. in nature, just like there's type A personalities, type B and introverts, extroverts. I think people have different levels, but I think it's always there and always can mm-hmm. be tapped. It's just a matter of figuring out your best way of tapping your creativity. And it can be meditating or walking in nature or exercising, just getting those endorphins that help your mind roam and positive thoughts. And I I think that's a big part of it too, is thinking positively and escaping that negative thought pattern that sometimes we get into. That's where I find my creativity is much less is when I'm maybe having a a bad day or (laughs) woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to get up and and start over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Michelle, how about you? Do you think everybody can be creative? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody can be creative. I think it's whether they choose to exercise that muscle. There are a lot of different ways to be creative. My mom is super creative. 
but it comes in the form of gardening and knowing where to mm. put different plants, right? To make it look a certain way and texture and color and things like that. Or it might be what clothes look good together. And uh, that's not me. <laughs> 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 I'll know what colors I like together on a screen or on a page, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the first thing I think about when I'm planting my vegetable garden, <laughs> you know? Right. So yeah, I think there's a lot of different types of creativity and I think they all kind of turn things upside down and look at things a different way. Like Trisha said about thinking outside the box, I think that seeing things in a different way, suddenly have an idea that nobody's had before simply because you've looked at it upside down, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it can happen in anywhere in, in any, um, in any job, you know? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And in business, I mean, yeah, maybe you can't write a good copy for the website, but you found a completely new way to structure the office. So people are more efficient or something like that. It's completely different, but it's still useful. And I think that's why we wanted to bring up the topic was because there were are so many different ways for people to use it in their business. And if it's a new product or a new way to market it or something that hasn't been done before to motivate people to think about things in a new way in order to help themselves in their business. Michelle, do you think people can learn to be more creative? I think we kind of touched on it in, in the inner critic no. part. Yeah, absolutely. I do. It's something you have to work at to open up and unlock creativity in you. You know, I've always been creative, done creative writing, journaled a lot throughout my life. But there was a book called The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron that I started uh, reading in 2000. It was 2020. It was during the pandemic. That book had a huge influence in kind of opening up, unlocking creativity that I had. And Mm -hmm. it's a six-week program that you work through. And I had already done a lot of work myself on opening up that creativity because I knew... I I guess I'll go back and I felt a little stagnant. So Mm -hmm. I'm saying all this because I'm saying I truly believe that anyone can unlock this because of what you said about your kids and kids being naturally creative, they know how to tap into that. And so it's a matter of breaking down all those barriers that that you've kind of put up along the way. And I went through a little bit of a stagnant period and I thought, you know what, I've got to do something for myself. I need to get my creativity back. So I thought, I've just got to start writing. You know, in my case, I wanted to write more. I needed to write. So I sat down and I said, okay, after Capital Challenge in 2019, when that was over, I said, that's it. Every morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to force myself to write. Mm -hmm. But I was really gentle about it with myself. And I said, you only have to write a sentence. You have to write one creative observation. That's it. That's all I had to do. (laughs) And then... And then I had to do one sentence that was gratitude. And I had to do a to-do list. That was my big journal page for the day. What happened was that one sentence grew to two, and then two sentences grew to three. And next thing I knew, it was a paragraph. And my to-do list kept getting shoved out of the way and getting shorter and shorter. (laughs) And I ended up doing it later because I suddenly was like, oh, I want to write, right? And it became Mm -hmm. more and more... Then I started tacking on reading and I said, okay, in order to spark more creativity, I'm going to read. I gave myself permission. And this is a huge thing because it's not a waste of time. We're taught that time is money and you know, we're taught that you got to go, go, go. And are you wasting time? And what are you doing with your time? And I gave myself permission to read every morning and write. And so I read a chapter and whatever I was reading kind of inspired me to write. And then it just grew. And then I started The Artist's Way. And six weeks later, it just 
it unlocked so much creativity and I'm still journaling every morning and reading every morning. And, Mm. um, I just, I truly believe that the practice unlocks things and suddenly you're able to see things more creatively, everything more creatively. Anyway, that, that was my long, my long-winded answer for you. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that because I think people sometimes want examples of how people do things. It may not work for them, but at least hearing how other people go through it is helpful. And I yeah. think that that same thing that the idea of practicing something applied. You know, when we talked to someone about mindfulness, and she said the same thing. Yes. Like, if you're ever going to get anywhere with it like just start small and add it to your day and keep trying different ways of doing it like not everybody achieves mindfulness by meditation sometimes it's like exercise or you know different ways of doing it so so I think it's the same thing with creativity and being able to find what works for you if journaling works awesome reading and painting or photography like take one picture a day that's not for your job or do something where you're not expected to do it and it's not work (laughs) then it could be a useful exercise trisha are there things that you do to help unlock your creativity similar to michelle we talked about this actually in the beginning of the pandemic a lot and she took her direction and I started a um, similar project where I started a notebook. Um, it started out as a to-do list like Michelle's mm. and it sort of evolved now into um, a, a notebook of my lists of what I need to do that day. But also I jot down ideas. I jot down quotes or things that I stumble upon. Um, they all go in the notebook and in <laughs> sometime about last six months or so, I went through a bunch of scrapbooking materials that I used to have for a scrapbooking business. And I pulled out a bunch of stickers that were buried. And I went, you know what? I want to, I want to brighten up my notebook. So I started to add stickers. I bought colored pens. I own 30 different colors of pens, depending on what (laughs) I feel like that day. I pull out a a red one or a blue one or a pink one, you know? Yeah. And also in that regard, you mentioned photography. I'm a photographer by nature and when I started working from home about 10, 12 years ago, I ended up taking a lunch break every day. Well, every day that was nice, I'd sit on my deck and I'd take my camera out there and I'd eat lunch and I'd take photos of the birds at the bird feeders or in the yard. Um, and I just started to play around with, like you said, non-work photos. And mm-hmm. I did do the, the photo a day on my blog for Mm -hmm. a couple of years. And I think that helped a lot just to look at things differently through a camera. Also to take part of your daily life that you see, like every day I see these same birds, but they do different things. They may be feeding their fledglings. They may be molting. (laughs) There's all Mm -hmm. these different things that you just, you see a bird and it's doing something creative and you acknowledge that. And it opens your mind to see everything just like Michelle said. So I think expanding on what you love and what you enjoy doing is a big part of unlocking creativity. Yeah, cool. I like to do a lot of research and not just Googling. I like to read books. But for me, when I come up with questions for the podcast or we have a certain topic, I'll sit down for an hour or so and get on the computer and Google that topic and start out with say like creativity and see what comes up. And then it starts getting my ideas flowing. Okay, what direction do we think we want this going in? Okay, let me see. Let me go down and let me Google this or let me try that. Or I find that that unlocks so much to be able to be like, Oh, I didn't think it could go in that direction. But Oh, you know what? This is this is good. So I mean, I I love listening to books on tape when I'm driving and I like to read a lot, but you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't. So I think that Mm. you can find creativity. I mean, we have it at our fingertips on your phones, (laughs) (laughs) you know, almost immediately. So, Trisha, when you're 
working on an idea, what's the creative process that you kind of work through on your idea? Well, it's interesting that you brought up podcasts and, and listening to books on tape, I think, because that Michelle and I've talked about this. I got into podcasts late. I was not an early adopter, maybe three or four years ago. And now I love them. I listen to them all the time on topics I like and on some that I just happen to stumble upon. Mm-hmm. And I think that listening to other people brainstorm and being like the third party, kind of like the fly on the wall, uh, really helps me get into the creative process. I think that's huge. And I also read a lot. If I'm really struggling with something, perhaps an article that I'm not sure how to take and which direction to go, I will purposefully go to sleep and and lay in bed and think about it. And oftentimes in the middle of the night, I'll think of a solution or I'll come up with an idea that I maybe wouldn't have thought of if I was consciously just sitting here trying to figure out how to do it. And it force it comes, out. Exactly. It comes unconsciously in a way mm-hmm. or subconsciously. So that is one of my processes. And I think for me in particular, just letting your mind wander helps me a lot. I do that at night. If I'm hosting a party and I need to plan the menu, that's like it comes to me when I'm in the middle, like I'm laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep. And I'm like, okay, what do we want the theme to be? Or, you know, what's the <laughs> holiday or whatever? And then I'm like, okay, well, what food? I mean, it makes me pretty hungry, but <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much where like the inspiration comes to me from like, oh, this is what we'll do. This is the direction. And and usually by the time I wake up the next morning, I have it all planned out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do keep a notebook at, at next to my bed or yeah. my phone and I do dictation sometimes. And I'll just, <laughs> if I wake up in the middle of the night and I have an idea or a thought, I'll write it down or I'll dictate it on my phone yep. the next morning. I So I know it's there. Because it definitely won't stay in your brain mm-hmm. if you fall back asleep. No. I do the same thing. Like I'll come up with an opening sentence because I never like to, I like to write the body and then go back and write an opening for it. So but I'll always get opening sentences like right when I'm about to fall asleep mm-hmm. and then back on my phone writing something. And my husband's like, why are you on your phone? Like, <laughs> I got to get this idea down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Michelle, how about your creative process? Um, I do a lot of, I'll call them active meditations. So I'm either walking, gardening, biking, anywhere that I'm doing something and like almost disconnected from my brain so that I can kind of work problems out and not be, this sounds weird, but not be a hundred percent there because I'm also Mm -hmm. focusing on whatever it is I'm doing. Right. So it kind of releases my mind to just wander and make connections that sometimes I feel like I wouldn't make unless I was doing something else, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure how that how that actually happens or why it works that way and the science behind it. But I, I do know that if I really need to work out a problem or develop an idea or, you know, come up with a, a different article idea, things like that, there have been so many times where I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm getting up. I'm going outside. I'm doing... I have to do something and I'll just up and go to the park or I'll just go outside and like you know, pick vegetables or whatever it is I'm doing um, just to do something while I let my brain work Mm. it out. We've definitely had people on the podcast who said they've gotten ideas while they're riding because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not sitting at a computer focused on something and they're allowed to kind of let go and while they're enjoying riding yeah. it just comes I think it them. takes the it like takes the pressure off it's like yeah. i don't know releasing this huge weight you're like casting off the pressure and then mm-hmm. you're you're free to just ponder <laughs> and then of course it's quick i have to you know capture those ideas right and the moment yep. that they actually happen then you're like scrambling for the phone or running for a piece of paper like oh my gosh i got to get it down right now <laughs> yeah. i'm going to lose it <laughs> That's happened to me a couple of times when I'm driving and I'm like, oh, oh no, like I'm driving. Yes. <laughs> it's the worst. Like, what am I going to do now? Especially if I am listening to a podcast or a book on tape and I, there's like something that yes. hit me from something they said and I'm like, oh darn. 
Yeah. I've always, I've always kept car journals. I call them. They're like little notebooks that go in the center console, um, <laughs> you know, just to make sure. <laughs> so today I was cleaning out my car and I found a band aid that had like a quote written on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you win. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh wow. I don't even know when that happened, but <laughs> that's great. Uh, I love that so much. <laughs> so Jen has band-aid inspiration. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> how about is there um I mean I think we've kind of touched on it, but is there any specific way you draw inspiration for your ideas? Like, is there any place you go to, a room you go to, a specific activity you think you do to get yourself started? Trisha? Um, I'm not one of those people who has a specific place, I don't think. I don't have like a secret hideout. I will say though that I do love to groom my horses. And if I'm struggling with something, especially since I work in the horse industry and most of my work is horse related. I do find that if I'm kind of going through the methodical grooming process that I have with, I kind of do the same thing each time I groom my horse so that he knows, you know, and is comfortable with the process. And that seems to, again, like Michelle said, puts me in that place where I'm doing something, but my mind may be wandering. I don't really have a specific place though, but being around the horses definitely, and when I'm working on a horse-related project, seems to <laughs> spark some extra creativity or some definitely has helped me along the way. And Michelle, for you. So my morning routine is really regimented, which is kind of funny when it's for creative writing, but uh, <laughs> it is coffee. It is in the same chair every morning. It's a blanket, no matter if it's 90 degrees out or, <laughs> or 10 degrees. Um, and it is no phone. I can't have my phone on at all. It's off to the side. Not allowed to touch it until after I'm done. It's doing my reading and then doing my writing. And it's, it's, very, it's very regimented. And I think it's comforting to have that because it's like my brain knows it's writing time. <laughs> mm. Like, you know, it's time. This is it. Now you can be creative. And it's, and in the beginning, it was kind of hard to write creatively my own thing, not work, but anything I wanted to write and, and to have that freedom. And now it's to the point where there are times where I'm like, oh, I get to write tomorrow morning. I get to get up and I get to read <laughs> and I get to write and I get to drink coffee and nobody's going to bother me and I don't have to look up the phone. <laughs> And it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, I do have a paper place to write. <laughs> I, ha I have an addition. I will also say that time of day is also important to me. Oh my I'm, gosh. Yes. Michelle and I've talked about this. She's yes. a morning person. I'm a night person. I have to get up and do a bunch of admin stuff in the mornings before I start writing. And I find that I do my best writing maybe between two and seven at night. That's when I just kind of my brain slows down and I can and words just flow. If I try to write first thing in the morning, I'm struggling. Yeah. And I, Me I think meanwhile, people... I'll meanwhile I'll get up and call Trisha and be like, oh, I, I had this great idea this morning. And it's like 9 a.m. And she's like, What? And I'm like, No, 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 hear me out. Hear me yeah. out. This is what I wrote this morning. Here, let me read it to you. This is what we're gonna do. And blah blah blah. blah. And she's like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Michelle's w well aware of my. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. not a morning person, although Trisha probably is too. We all stayed together in the same house at Capital Challenge, <laughs> and I am not the person to go to before like 11 a.m. <laughs> and I think that's important for people, especially if you're struggling with creativity, mm -hmm. yeah. to think about where your sweet spot is. Don't mm -hmm. try to force yourself to be something you're not, because that's going to make it even harder. Yep. And I've learned over the course of time that I just have to make sure I meet my deadlines, but I also know that, you know, I have to also save that time in the evenings to write. Um, just because that's the way my personal clock works best. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's really important to be self-aware of when you work best and 
a lot of businesses now, I think, are starting, especially those that are allowing people to work from home, are starting to recognize not everybody's on that nine to five rhythm. That's what we do in my company. Like for the most part, people kind of pick their own hours. And if the work gets done, we're fine by it. You know, if you're there for our regular meetings and and talking to clients, like if you want to start at 5 a.m. and be done at three or whatever, fine. I do think that really helps. And for business owners to recognize that that is important and they could probably get more work done in the hours that are best for them. And then the business benefits from it. Absolutely. Trisha, you just finished writing a book and that was you know, such a huge project. How do you deal with times when you lose momentum or you hit a roadblock? I feel like people do that not only in creative things like writing, but in their business. Like, How can you um, get past it and get your momentum and get the train rolling again? So that book, um, Judging Hunters and Equitation, that I wrote with Julie Winkle, we actually, it took us about four and a half years because we wrote it in between all of our many other projects and, and right. our commitments. And I did find that sometimes I was forced into specific timelines where I, I have this particular week to work on the book and that's it. And then I'm off to judge another horse show. And so it was hard because I had to force myself to keep that momentum going, even if um, I wasn't in the mood. So what I did is for that particular book, which nonfiction, obviously it's about judging. And I used a lot of my own photographs. Mm -hmm. So when I hit a roadblock in the writing process, I would often go back to the photos and study them and, and think about how I would explain something to someone if I was looking at the photo. So it helped me a lot to go back and forth and I'm a visual learner. So I try to use my strengths also. And also knowing that I'm that way, I would help me with my momentum going back to writing about something that I was seeing. Again, I think knowing yourself and knowing how you work best and using that knowledge was really helpful to me. And I did get bogged down and it was really hard sometimes because if we set the book aside for maybe a month or longer and have to go back to it, it was really hard to get back into yeah. that rhythm. So I just kind of tried different things, but I do find that as Jen said earlier, visual learning um, and research was super helpful to me too, to go back and Google things and to mm. read articles about judging from other perspectives and then go back and, and try to explain it in my own words, was super helpful too. So just a bunch of tools to keep that momentum going. And for Michelle, is it different for you with getting momentum to start a project versus getting momentum when you're stuck in the middle of one? Yeah, for sure. I love the process of generating ideas. Like I just love that creative process of going outside and thinking or doing the research. And I can get actually really, I call it bogged down, but in a really good way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get a little too excited about the research part of it because I really enjoy it. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I love learning about new things. And so when I do a deep dive, I'm enjoying every aspect of it. And sometimes I have to reel myself back in, (laughs) back up out of that deep dive. and then. I usually go from that to um, the structure of it. So I, I like to write in with structure. So mm-hmm. outlining is super important to me. Usually I try to figure out the structure next. And then once I get the structure down and, and really outline it and decide where things are going to go from and to, and I start then the fun parts of writing it. <laughs> and then I get to that point where it's the really hard work. It's the transitions and it's the making sure that everything flows and that the reader 
knows as much as I do because I've just done all of this research and Mm -hmm. I've learned so much new information, but now I have to make it simple for the reader to come in and, and understand what I'm talking about. And usually that's when it gets tough. And I feel like I'm walking through a, you know, a swamp. And at that point where all I want to do is pick up my phone and like scroll through Instagram, or (laughs) I want to, I want to be like, Oh, oh, I think I need to research this a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I definitely need to know more about this. No, no, Michelle, what you really need to do is just write. So (laughs) I have to force myself, right, to get to that part. And that's when pretzels come in. I swear that pretzels and eating, that just helps that last. And maybe it's like the reward aspect of it. And this is probably really unhealthy, <laughs> but um, I don't know. But I have to uh, eat and drink something and it forces me to just stay. And maybe it's that that same kind of active meditation form, except that instead of like doing and writing, I'm eating and writing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and um it's kind of a really embarrassing thing to admit, but that's that's what I do, and it and it it happens nearly every big article, and I always know I'm at that point, and I just have to uh, give in to that. Yep. No shame. Nope. <laughs> Could be a lot worse, right? Exactly. <laughs> but there's lots of artists who, uh, have- yeah. Much worse vices for their creativity. <laughs> yeah, sel- seltzer and pretzels are pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty mild. Tame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to skip school in high school when I'd have to write a report. My friend and I would skip school like the day before it was due, and we would go to the Hamilton College Library, and that's where we would spend the whole day like researching everything, <laughs> getting inspiration from. So. I think pretzels and seltzer probably my mother would have appreciated more than (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a great day. (laughs) Uh So how do you guys work some new ideas into like old concepts or old projects? I mean, in the equine industry, right? We're pretty much the same a lot. So like, how can we get people to like think about new ideas and implementing them into what they already have going on or projects that they already have going on. So Michelle, do you have any any tips that you can give I, them? I do because I love doing this. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do is taking an old concept and I like turning it upside down, right? And then turning it around a couple of times. For an example, I took grooming, a grooming article that um, Trisha actually assigned me for InStride Magazine. And (laughs) (laughs) it happened to be during the pandemic when I was supposed to be writing it. And I had gotten it assigned prior, before the pandemic started. And I thought, I can't believe I have to write about grooming. Like, that's just boring. (laughs) What am I going to write about? How am I going to write? How am I going to make this interesting? And I came up with mindful grooming and about the mental side of grooming, both for the horse and the rider. So anyway, that was just an example of something that I've done. But okay, I have to tell a story about this morning as I'm doing my meditative raspberry picking because (laughs) this, this totally fits. So you can't just look head on when you're thinking about writing about a topic, right? Or, or a project. You can't just look at it the way everybody else is looking at it because everybody sees the same thing head on. Just like when I go to pick raspberries, if I look at the bush, right? I have this huge raspberry bush. Well, it's like maybe four feet by 20 feet long. And if I look at it straight on and I start picking, you know, I get raspberries, but I'll always find more raspberries if I lean over and look at it upside down, or if I go around to the other side, or if I lift up a couple leaves, suddenly I have like this huge bowl of raspberries. And it's no different than looking at a topic. And you can look at it the way everybody else is looking at it head on, or you can really turn it upside down. Um, And in order to do that, if you look at the way others have approached other topics, you can kind of 
get ideas that way. It's really fun to suddenly find this upside down view of the same topic. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, that's my raspberry bush story for the day. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot more ideas out there though, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to turn them upside down a little bit. I'm not as creative as Michelle in this regard. Being a magazine person almost my entire life, I used to go to like Barnes and Noble or somewhere like that. And I would just go to the magazine section and I would spend like an hour looking at magazines I would never buy, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Welder's Weekly or, you know, some random car mechanic magazines or whatever happened to catch my eye. And I would look at them and I would, I would see like super interesting ways people use to tell boring material to teach people Mm -hmm. how to fix a car or how to weld something. And from using those magazines or looking at their applications, I would take them back to the horse world Mm -hmm. and use them in, in the Chronicle or in stride or use parts of them. And my husband had surgery this past week and I was sitting in the hospital for hours waiting for him. And I found all these interesting magazines that I would never have seen before sitting in the waiting room. Well, I paged through them and took pictures of some of the pages because I thought this is something cool that I could incorporate into InStride. Mm-hmm. And I just think if you, you know, especially with our world being so insular, you have to look outside and see what other, you know, industries and other parts of our culture are doing and using. And you can use some of those ideas to mm-hmm. work on new concepts for our own world, you know? So totally. a welder's, you know, guide to the universe could be very useful someday. <laughs> in I think so many times we go through this industry with blinders on, right? We're mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. racing forward with the going straight ahead and not looking around and not opening up our eyes to see what else is going on in in other worlds. So I think that is definitely important. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago, um, John Madden said to me, everything in life is like everything else. <laughs> and <laughs> I have taken that to heart because I will look at things and see how they work, how they function, and then go back and see how similar it is to other things in the horse industry. Right. And how and they can apply. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah and it's true. I, every time I think, no, 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 it's not going to fit. It does. It fits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an industry professional who has thought about writing a book? Bookending your business enhances credibility and creates powerful marketing opportunities. In course publishing can bring your expertise to the printed page. As a hybrid publishing company, we partner with our authors through editing, designing, printing, and distribution. Don't leave opportunity on the shelf. Bookend your business today and let us bring your book into the unique arena of the equestrian market. Visit our website, incoursepublishing.com, to download a free PDF to help get you started. Is there a point, Michelle, where you think an idea is too creative or you've gone too far and you need to reel yourself back in? I don't think that there's ever a point of going too far with creativity because you don't want to shut it down. I don't think Mm -hmm. you want to start that inner critic voice. So Mm -hmm. I think in the brainstorming process, it's really important to not put anything as, you know, quote unquote off limits, like nothing should be off limits because I think putting all those things down on paper, let's say, or like when Trisha and I are brainstorming, just just brainstorm and you just throw it out there. What about this? What about that? It might sound silly. It might sound far-fetched, but that's okay because I think it will naturally get weeded out if it's too far out there because once you get to the reality of things, we're like, okay, can this be done? Should it be said? You know, that will always take care of itself, but don't try and don't shut it down too soon. Mm-hmm. And I also it, think that you can, you know, when we brainstorm together, Michelle might say something or I might say something that seems far-fetched to us, but it might spark um, something in her mind yeah. that says, wow, if you take it this way, then it's perfect. And yeah. so we, we, you know, and I remember back at the Chronicle days, 
you know, we would have meetings, staff meetings, and, you know, we tried to make sure that nobody felt shame or embarrassment about an idea. We wanted everything on the table. We wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody should, you know, think that a idea or a thought is too outlandish because it might spark creativity and, or an idea, a segue from, from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that because I was just reading about Pixar a little bit about them and, Mm -hmm. Um, that's like really big thing. They don't, they talk a lot about candor and how they don't want people to like have ideas behind closed doors. They want whatever is going to be said, you know, out in the open to everybody because they don't, they, they want that communication and they don't want people to feel fear about ideas that they might have and it being shot down because that Mm -hmm. is, that can hinder creativity. Yeah. I think that open mindedness. It works in every business. And, you know, you don't have to be writing a magazine or designing clothes. You just have to take whatever ideas you have and just throw everything at the wall and (laughs) see (laughs) what works and for your business. And oftentimes, I think it's the ones that people initially are scared of that turn out to be the best ideas. And initially, I think I what I was thinking about uh, a question like this was, you know, having a myth, like you actually doing it, um, something where pe- people completely don't get the point. But <laughs> I I think that it's a it's a learning opportunity more than anything, yeah. right? So you can't necessarily think of it as a failure, just more of a learning opportunity if it doesn't come across the way that you want it to come across. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to find your people, like, right? You're going to be, let's say, outlandish, but you're going to attract exactly the people you want to attract, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's just going to totally flop. But then you'll learn from that and say mm-hmm. the next time, okay, you know what? You know, the people that I want really aren't getting me. So <laughs> I'm not going the right direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we've we've already talked a little bit about looking outside the equine industry for some inspiration and, and getting more current ideas, but are there other things that people in the equine industry can do to keep current and keep their ideas fresh? I mean, I think, I know we said podcasts already, but Mm. I believe again, like thinking outside of the industry, I like to listen to podcasts that are, Sure, I have my favorites, right? I have my handful of ones that I, of course, will always listen to. But then I treat it like a sampler platter, right? If I want Mm. to (laughs) find out what else is going on, and I'm not talking about like mainstream news, and you know, I'll just pick random podcasts that I don't know may give me a good idea, right? Because I don't know about the current situation in cryptocurrency, right? Well, mm. Or, you know, or the physics of consciousness or, you know, these random things that I've listened to. But look, sometimes I want to figure out, well, how does science, you know, tie into what I'm writing or how does, you know, monetary system tie in or what, whatever it may be. But my point is, is just kind of sampling a bunch of different things. It doesn't mean you have to follow them all, all the mm-hmm. time. But tasting those, I think you can get a lot of good ideas. And because podcasts are so current, right? The ideas are really current. Yeah. Trisha, how about for you? Well, I, I concur with Michelle completely. As I said earlier, I'm I'm a podcast aficionado as well. And I, I would say we we swap podcast texts a lot. Um, listen to this one because it's great. And <laughs> things that I would never listen to, I, I try to make a point of, I watch my Twitter feed actually quite closely and I end up finding gems stuck in there quite a bit. Things that I would never have like really thought about. Also, I think part of, part of my routine at a horse show, um, is to keep an eye on the outside world because when I'm at a show judging or showing, I feel like I get stuck in the horse show bubble. And I forget about everything that's happening outside. And I subscribe to three newspapers on my phone. I can read 
an article or two just in the evening before I go to sleep, just to see what's happening, as Michelle said, in various aspects of our culture, from health to medicine to mm. I don't really follow politics, honestly, or or sports other than ours. <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like if you keep an um uh, your finger on the pulse of the outside world, you can bring that back to the horse world and yeah. not get sucked into the bubble. Um, and kind of lose focus of the rest of the world. Totally. I've found for generating ideas that I could apply within our equine industry, like I signed up for probably 10 different other sports and marketing related Mm -hmm. newsletters. Those have really helped me think, oh, that's kind of a good idea. I wonder if it could be applied to a horse show. And I mean, lots of big places and newsletters are free podcasts are free like maybe TikTok you have to pay is a- free <laughs> TikTok <laughs> is- <laughs> totally like i think yeah just giving yourself the chance to to listen or read or look at other places helps a lot we had such fun talking to you guys about this topic and At the end of every episode, we ask our guests now the same four questions. So Connor can start with the first. All right. Trisha, what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? For me, it's delegating. Mm. I was notorious for not delegating very well. And over the course of time, I've improved. But I would say that that is my, my one action that I've taken to improve my life. And I believe others can do the same. I wholeheartedly agree. It's very difficult. You're like, I'll just do it myself. Exactly. (laughs) It's so hard to and invest the time and and teaching people how to do it right. That's huge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's pretty much the demise of my career as a farm manager managing (laughs) eighty horses. I was doing way too much myself. Right. And yeah. Michelle, it just leads to burnout. Honestly, totally. That's exactly. Delegate. Yeah. That's and the happens. funny thing is sometimes you find out that somebody does it better than you and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about Michelle? What's uh, one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Uh, say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. This has been a huge game changer for me. I always felt like I was saying yes to every job. Like, okay, yeah. Oh, sure. I can fit that in. Sure. Yeah. No problem. I'll make that happen. Talk about burnout, right? It's um, squeezing that in. And, you know, there's only so many hours in a week learning how to say no so that I could have the time to do work that I genuinely wanted to do makes a big difference. I wanted to feel passionate about what I was doing, not just saying yes to everything that came along. Yeah. Like that. I think there's times in your life when you do have to say yes to anything because you need Absolutely. the experience and right. yep. you need the money or whatever it is. But yeah, I think when you get to a certain point, <laughs> you have yeah. to be able to turn things down. Yeah. And recognize. You know, Recognize I'll, why. I'll say it was a it was a toxic yes, right? It wasn't that it, it was I was trying to do too much, and that yes, that was a problem. <laughs> yep, Michelle, what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? My reading and writing in the morning, and probably eating properly too. Because when I don't, I feel pretty lousy, and then I'm not motivated to do anything. So, <laughs> same. <laughs> Trisha, what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Well, I mentioned my colorful, fun notebook of to-do lists and inspiration, but also I would just say riding and showing and and being around the horses. Every day that I can get out to the barn, which is most most of the time it's five days a week uh, when I'm not traveling, that just keeps me happy and productive, um, even though it takes a few hours out of my work day. I feel mm-hmm. like it comes back to me tenfold. Trisha, what's your favorite horse movie? Hands down, Secretariat. My family's not horse oriented at all, but my son and my husband love that movie as much as I do. And 
we all get together and watch it right around Kentucky Derby time. And um, to find a, a movie that all three of us love that's about horses, that just never happens. So that's it. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> One and only. <laughs> yeah. Michelle, what's your favorite horse movie? Well, I don't really have like a favorite horse movie, but the never ending story because of the relationship that the main character Atreyu has with his horse, mm. Artax, that just like hits me like nothing else. <laughs> it was pretty devastating because the horse, he loses his horse in the swamp of sadness, but spoiler know. alert oh. <laughs> for a 35 year old movie. <laughs> So, Michelle, who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? I would recommend Sally Batten. She was a college varsity equestrian coach for over 30 years. She's mm-hmm. a fantastic woman. She retired and started a second career. And I think she's pretty amazing for doing that. She wrote The Athletic Equestrian mm-hmm. and uh, branded her business in such a fantastic way that I think she'd be a great person to talk to. Cool. And Trisha, who would you recommend? I would recommend Jenny Susser. And Mm -hmm. she did the empty tank syndrome course. I took it and it was remarkable. She's helped so many people um, know when they're getting, you know, over the top and how to step back and and take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and becoming more productive. And she's a horse person and she's She's helped me so much when I've spread myself too thin. I really recognize that a lot more now after taking her course. Great. I love those suggestions. So hopefully we can get them on in the future. And I want to say thank you again to you for joining us and telling us all about how you stay creative. And I think it'll be a huge help for our listeners. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you for having us. It's great. Yeah. So these two immediately came to mind when we started talking about creativity. I've known them for so long and I really admire everything that they've done in the industry in different ways and in being creative. And obviously Michelle is one of my closest friends and she and I talk all the time about motivation and creativity and ideas. And she's the person that I went to when I had my equestrian businesswomen idea and helped me come up with the summit and she did the website and she did all the graphic design for it and <laughs> our logo for equestrian B2B. She did our logo for equestrian B2B podcast. Like she's just an invaluable resource and good friend. So I thought it was really cool to have her on to talk about what she does to stay creative. And Trisha, I knew when she was at the Chronicle and I was always like, wow, that's, she does such an amazing job. Like her photography is unbelievable and her writing and, you know, we've become friends in the years since. So it was really cool to hear more about what she does in her business and how she's able to stay creative after so many years of doing it and not getting totally burned out and I knew how big of an endeavor it was for her to write that book. So it was nice to hear about it. Yeah. They both had some really great ideas. And I I can tell that they're super creative people. And that... Well, I mean, I know Michelle is from experience working with her through equestrian businesswomen. But it seems like Trisha has so much going on like between being a judge. And so it's nice to see that she's able to tap into a creative side and kind of express that and share that with the industry. Because I think that's Mm -hmm. invaluable because for everything that she does, being a judge, I mean, sometimes you just think of them as superhuman, right? And they just (laughs) sit at the side and maybe even a little bit boring, but like truly not. Like she has a lot to offer. So Mm -hmm. um, besides just like judging you, but you know... I think that that was really cool. And I enjoyed our conversation. Now, maybe Michelle's inspired me to write uh, Connor's five tips on how to get out of the bathing stall faster. (laughs) 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 Because that's a problem that I've come... And you know, I think I can make it useful to people. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a <laughs> solid topic right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the conversation and I thought they were really amazing. And I really hope that our listeners can open up their eyes and look around and tap into their own creativity, whether it's, you know, designing a jump course in your arena for your students or coming up with a new lesson program or like mm-hmm. you said, changing your office so that it's more convenient or it works better or you know sparks your creativity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. Great conversations yeah. today. And when this airs, we'll be in the middle of the Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular Horse Show. So It'll be really fun. And I think we're going to get so much more content to talk about and people to talk to. So we can't wait to bring you more of that uh, in the coming months. And tap into our creativity while we're there. Exactly. (laughs) Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go be creative. Be creative.